Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Love Rules. Today's message, the power of the word. We're going to read from Luke, the seventh chapter, the first through the tenth verses. You know, sometimes I, I want to shorten the scripture, but the, but the word is the power here. So I'm going to read a little more than I sometimes do because I need the reminder and you need the reminder that this is about God's word. After Jesus had finished all his sayings and in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly and who was ill and close to death. When he heard about Jesus, he he sent some Jewish elders to him, asking him to come and heal his slave. When they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, He, the centurion, is worthy of having you do this for him, for he loves our people, and it is he who built our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them. But when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I do not presume to come to you. Only speak the word and let my servant be healed. For I also am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you not, even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who have been sent return to the house, they found the slave. In good health. The story of the centurion is first and foremost a story of faith and healing. A high ranking Roman soldier sends word to Jesus asking him to heal the soldier's slave. Jesus approaches the house. The soldier says, Don't even trouble yourself. I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. I do not presume to come to you. Only speak the word and let my servant be healed. This is the kind of great faith born of humility and gratitude worth paying attention to. We do not know exactly how the centurion has learned about Jesus. He's a Gentile living in a community that is also home to many Jews, but so far in Luke's narrative, the gospel has not been spread to the Gentiles. But this soldier has heard something, and he has the audacity to believe that Jesus can heal his servant. Extraordinary faith. Amazing. Even Jesus. He was amazed at him, and he said, I haven't seen any faith like this. And the text goes on, when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. This is another one of those significant moments in the ministry of Jesus. The moment is so big because the soldier probably had grown up as a pagan, believing in idols. His job was to subject the Jews to the emperor's rule. He was not necessarily the kind of person you might think would be open to hearing and receiving the word of God. You never know who's ready to be moved by God's word. Because you see, that's not really your job to know. That's between God and the person he calls. Now, we know nothing about the sick slave except that he is highly valued by his master. There's a Greek word, intimos. It means precious, honored, esteem. There was a close relationship between these two men. So the soldier seeks healing for this slave, not just because he's property. He's showing compassion 
for someone he values. The more closely you look at this text, you begin to realize there's much more to this story that impacts this faith and healing. For one thing, the soldier is not typical. He has a reputation as a good and caring man. His neighbors, Jewish elders, says he built their synagogue for them. Remember, this is in a time and place where Jews despised Romans. And then you read the backstory. You see that Jesus has just finished one one of his greatest sermons, the Beatitudes, admonishing believers to love their enemies. The other, the one that does not look like you or think like you. So you see, the soldier stands out as someone who, who might be considered the other, except he's not. Now, more key lessons began to emerge from this story. The expanse of God's reach, it goes beyond the expected. The gospel spreads where God wants it to spread. The healing in this story, there's a great lesson there. It's not a direct healing. Jesus does no touching or speaking to the person in need of healing. The action in this busy montage of scenes is so full that it's easy to overlook the powerful cord on which this story of faith and love and compassion heals. This is the most amazing part of the lesson. Jesus never actually encounters either the centurion or the servant. Everything that Jesus learns about the two men, everything we learn about them, is communicated through the neighbors. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, asking him to come and heal his slave. It's the community that tells this story. The community is not merely a a chorus here. The community is taking an active role in the transformation of this centurion's life. You know, this story really lifts up the power of the church. This is a community that works with God and, and helps in the transformation of those who need transformation. And particularly the the notion here that these are not people known for cohesiveness, Jews and Gentiles. These were people who were always kind of at each other. Let's go back to the centurion. For whatever reason, he understands he will need the help of the community if he's to convince Jesus that his servant needs healing. There has to be some kind of bond between the soldier and the community, a strong bond. But there's also some wisdom here. You see, the the centurion understands that teamwork is important. Another message for the church. I am so thankful you've joined us today. Remember, Love Rules is totally listener-supported. Won't you make a donation right now to keep this program on the air? Log on to RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org and click on Giving. That's RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org. .org. Click on giving. Thank you. God bless you. We are going through all the different lessons from this text about the centurion who seeks Jesus' healing power. The soldier works in an environment where teamwork is important. He knows as powerful and strong and mighty as he, he can't do it all alone. Somewhere along the way, he understands that community is necessary. That's why he probably helped the the Jews in building their temple. Uh, He was was responsible for them and to them. And that's why the elders went to Jesus, because there was a bond. You see, there's a lot going on here about community, about relationships, about 
compassion. But the real power of this story, the part I want to focus on for just a a few minutes today, is the authority of the Word of God. And that's what we've been kind of leading up to. The man had no direct knowledge of God. The man did not have and a personal experience. Jesus did not talk directly to the man. The man is content with the authority, come on now, the authority of the word of Jesus. There is an important setup here that we should not overlook. This man is a soldier. He is used to following orders. He already knows the power of words. You know, words carry considerable power. The Bible tells us the tongue has the power of life and death. We can bless people or curse them with our words. Words create action, good and bad. A mother warns her child to stop playing near the stove. A doctor advises surgery for an ailment. The weatherman gives a forecast of a nor'easter. All of those are potentially life-saving words. Think of that childhood phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never harm me. Remember, that was written as an antidote to the reality that words are harmful. Words precipitate action. So there's a physical dynamic that happens with words. Words are powerful. They help us express our emotion, what we're feeling. The book of James describes the tongue as as a fire. And we've all been burned by fire. So the words that we speak, we cannot ignore their force. Last night, I I went to a town meeting at Harvard Divinity School, and it was about the Bible. It was put together by the Mass Bible Society, and it invited believers and non-believers to come and discuss the reach and the power of the Bible. And it was really interesting because there were mainly believers, but there were quite a few people who, who did not understand the Bible from a spiritual standpoint. There was one man who was from Yale University who considered himself a secular humanist, but he followed the word of Jesus. He sees Jesus as a model of good ethical living. But it was really interesting that most of us who know God and who have an intimate relationship with God's word will argue that you cannot separate the word from the power of the word. And that's what this story is all about. You can't just approach God's word as good literature, which many people do. There is a power to God's word. The word has the authority of God. That's what the centurion knew. He innately or or somebody told him, but he knew that he said, you don't have to come. Tell him that he doesn't have to come. I am a soldier. I work in, a, in an atmosphere where if the word is said and the word is passed down, I know the word has power. God created the universe on his word. Jesus changed the course of history on his word. Jesus is the word made flesh. So the word of God does not simply represent natural thoughts or units of language. The word of God represents God and the spirit of a living God. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the word. You see, the word 
it is not just something that you read blankly. It actually interacts with you. It interacts with your heart. The word can convict you. It can free you. The word of God is the power of God. Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's what this story of the centurion really brings up for me. Of all the lessons there, it's the power of God's word. You know, we are called to be intercessors 24-7, inside and outside a church. That's what makes us a peculiar people. There are many other things too, but that's what makes us a peculiar people. And we need to always understand the power of God's word. We need to use God's word and depend on God's word. Memorize scriptures, know scriptures, use scriptures, because it is the power of God's word that has the authority of God. It's not us. It's God. But it can do anything because it is from God. Thanks for joining me. Be blessed. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, roxburypresbyterianchurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116. Love will reign if you let me.